1: Could I have somebody
0: read chapter 12, verses 3 to 8? Ray, would you mind?
2: For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function so in christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others we have different gifts according to the grace given us if a man's gift is prophesying let him use it in proportion to his faith if it is serving let him serve if it is teaching let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Thank you, Ray. So as we
0: grow in grace and and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can serve God by using our spiritual gifts. And it's interesting that Paul in verse 3 reminds us that we need to stay humble and we need to avoid spiritual pride because that can happen. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about spiritual gifts, but there are seven spiritual gifts mentioned in this passage. But there are other lists of spiritual gifts found in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and in Ephesians 4 and in 1 Peter 4. There are probably over 20 unique spiritual gifts, depending on how you count them. Now, spiritual gifts are special gifts. They're not natural talents for every believer given by the Holy Spirit. The purpose is to build up the body of Christ for the common good. And the Bible teaches there are speaking gifts, there are service gifts, and there are sign gifts. And when you take into account our personalities our natural talents and our heart's desires, and then add in spiritual gifts, what you realize is that every human being, every believer, every follower of Christ has almost like a fingerprint, everyone's unique. So it's not like all the evangelists or the have the same, act the same, say the same things you know, we're all unique. And what that makes me realize is that each of us are uniquely gifted to reach and disciple and minister to others for the kingdom. In other words, there might be people that you, you are the only person that can reach a certain individual because of your unique mix of gifts. And that's pretty exciting to think about. It's not just the pastors that do all the effective ministry. There's people that you might be the only person that can reach them because of your spiritual gift. And it doesn't have to be the gift of evangelism by the way. Okay. So then he goes from spiritual gifts to this like litany of 30 commands. Remember I told you he says at the beginning I urge you. He's like urging them. He's begging them. He's not commanding them. But now he's laying down some commands. And that's where I was saying earlier if if Romans started with these commands, we could get this backwards. We could totally misunderstand what he's trying to say. But in light of a transformed life, this is how we can live our lives. Could somebody read this, chapter 12, 9 to 21. All right, Rex,
3: thanks. to drink for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good thanks rex that was great
0: man there's so much like meat in that in those verses like every verse is just jam-packed with some amazing profound truth i mean if all you did was verse 12 rejoice in hope be patient in tribulation and be constant in prayer You'd be a transformed person. But you see there's over and over 30 commands of what a transformed life looks like. Then he talks about our responsibility with government, dealing with government authorities. How should a transformed person live under a difficult government? Somebody read this, verses 1 to 7, chapter 13.
1: Anybody got it? All right, Dave, thanks. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities. There is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed all will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear to a good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you to be good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword for nothing. And it is a minister of God, an avenger, who brings wrath upon those who practice evil. Wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax upon tax which is due, custom to custom. Fear to those who fear, and honor to whom deserve honor.
0: Thanks, Dave. So here, Paul discusses our responsibility to government or our civil duties. Now, Rome was not a democracy, as you know. It was an autocracy. And this was written during the time of Nero, who was known to be a tyrant. In fact, here's some interesting facts about Nero that you may or may not know. He became emperor when he was 17 years old. And so he relied on his mother. His mother was basically giving him all the advice, telling him what to do. So what does he do? He murders his mother. But not only did he murder his mother's. He murdered his two wives. He was immensely popular early in his reign. He was accused of orchestrating the great fire in Rome that we've all heard about. And he blamed that on the Christians, which started a tremendous persecution of Christians. The place where the fire was, he built a golden house, apparently just some crazy house with incredible amount of money he built that in places and he competed himself in the roman olympic games and one time he almost died because he was actually competing Uh, you know i told you he killed his two wives but then he had a servant he castrated and then married his former slave but ultimately the last interesting fact is he was in power and he was the one who had paul beheaded So I guess my point is, look at what Paul's writing here of how Christians should behave in this context, and I know you and I, or a lot of people in America, struggle with the government. We struggle with the government's power and authority. What Paul is basically saying is we need to submit to authorities because they've been ordained by God, and that we are to be model citizens I think that's the key idea. What does it look like for us to be model citizens even in a corrupt government setting? We're to pay taxes and support the government. The things that they taxed people for back then were just ridiculous. They taxed you for the the air you breathed. They taxed you for the number of wheels on your cart. So you really wanted to have a wheelbarrow so you only had one wheel. But if you had four wheels, you were taxed on each, each of the wheels. I mean, they, they, they just went crazy with taxes. That's why he mentions, pay your taxes. Give to Caesar what is Caesar and to God what is God. Now, there is a caveat because the scripture does teach there is a time to disobey when, but only when directly conflicting with God's word. So like, you have the example of, When Nebuchadnezzar built a statue and and told everybody to worship, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you're not my God. I'm not worshiping that. They refused. They paid the consequences, but Jesus rescued them. The disciples were thrown in prison for preaching the gospel. And what did they do? When they got out, they they, they were told, don't you do this anymore. They they said, okay. And then they went and did it. (laughs) They did it more. So there are exceptions to this. The, the, I want to, I want to move on the next section in chapter 13 talks about how we live in the last days and we need to wake up from our sleep. Our salvation is nearer than when we first believed we need to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the, the flesh. So I'm going to just tie this into, we need to make the most of every opportunity we have The time is short. It really is short. And so we need to make the most of every opportunity we have to share the gospel. And last time I spoke, I think, or no, 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 I was making a comment. I talked about this illustration called the golf illustration, how to share your faith with tact. And so I just thought I would just spend a a minute or two filling this out because I'm convinced that one of the reasons we're ineffective in sharing our faith It's not the message that turns people off. It's the messenger and it's our approach. We're either too heavy handed or we just come across like the guy who spent a whole year building a friendship and praying that that he could be a great witness at work. And he had this one guy that he was befriending and serving and loving, but he wasn't talking about, he wasn't sharing any, he wasn't sharing his faith verbally. It was just all through his life. He won his life. And then finally, the guy turns to him. And he says, hey, I have a question for you. And the guy's in, in his heart. He's like, oh, this is it. This is it. It's like, he's going to ask me about Christ. He says, are you a, a vegetarian? He goes, I've been watching your life. I, I have a real serious question I want to ask you, a personal question. you know. Are you a vegetarian? And the guy's like, oh, that's what he got. That's what he saw in my life. Like, so we have to share Christ. We have to use words. When I think of evangelism, I think of of like, people are like golf balls. Some are closer to Christ or the hole than others. And so depending on how far away they are, you need to use different methods. And so a driver is used when the ball is far away from the hole. And in my mind, some good drivers when it comes to evangelism are acts of kindness, acts of service, And then practicing spiritual curiosity. That's just kind of like every once in a while throwing out a question like, hey, you ever think about spiritual things? Where where are you at on your spiritual journey? Or, you know, just just throwing out a question to see what the response is. And you'll be able to judge where a person is, how open they are. Are are they indeed on the T or maybe you find out they're in the fairway? And if they're in the fairway, then you pull out your irons, right? And... And to me, that's when I get into things like worldview questions, like, where do you think people come from? What's the purpose in life? What's the biggest problem in the world? What's the solution to that problem? And then, do you think it's possible to know God? If it is, would you be interested in learning how you can? Sharing your testimony, you know, is a great way to share your faith. Just tell your story. Even if you became a Christian when you were a little child, you're still a Christian. You know, what kept you going? What kept you in the faith? But then you'll find that some people are on the green. And for those on the green, you want to learn a gospel illustration. And for me, I use the bridge to life. You know how Jesus is the bridge between us and God and how we can't save ourselves. Our works don't go far enough. And I talk about how you can't jump across the, you know, 10 of us could line up and try to jump across the Grand Canyon. You might get 10 feet farther than me, but we're all going down. And that's how huge this chasm is between us and God, but that God made this bridge for us through Jesus. And some people say, well, the bridge, those are old, you know, the four spiritual laws, they don't work anymore. Well, they don't work the way they used to work. You used to be able to walk up to somebody and say, hey, have you heard of this four spiritual laws? And then lay them down and then somebody trusts Christ right then. To me, it's where, it's when you use them. If they're on the green, I feel like they can work. I feel like they work well. But then I also try to get people into the Bible just to to learn about Jesus. My approach is I use the gospel of John. And uh, just, we just read and discuss it you know, very informally over coffee. Sometimes I, I'll take students to a movie and then after the movie, we go to McDonald's and we talk about the movie and then say, hey, you know, you interested in just reading and discussing the, discussing the Bible? If I feel like they're on the green, that's what we do. And then next thing I know, they're like, hey, are we gonna do that? Are we gonna discuss the Bible again? I'm like, yeah, we are, of course we are. My point in sharing this with you is if you like this, make it your own, think of your own technique. Don't use my technique but think of your own. How would you, what are your drivers? What are your irons? What are your putters? You know, come up with your own unique approach. You don't have to adopt mine. Let me pause here for questions and comments. And then we have one more section. Keith, Keith and I had a blast in the, in the uh, Dead Sea, by the way. <laughs> we were both floating in the Dead Sea.
4: Keith put he put the mud all over his face and if you've never floated in the dead sea it's worth going just to do that believe me it's unbelievable but just to amplify on your bridge thing yesterday i was helping out with the four-year-olds at kids camp and the game that we played inside the room was we put a strip of tape down six foot across put another strip of tape down that said god and everybody's supposed to jump to god Nobody could do it. Even Mr. Keith couldn't do it. So then we put down five block letters, J E S U S and they all stepped across. And before each kid stepped across the leader, she was so good. She just got down with them almost like a baptism said, now I know you can't jump across yourself, but if you walk across, Jesus is going to stamp out sin. Cause there's a big thing of sin in the middle. And if you do that and believe you will get to heaven And each one of them walked across and then the next one came and she got down there and said that exact same words to her and they and she took so much time. And so I just wanted to show you, you know, the putter example, the the bridge example can be used on little kids and it was used just yesterday perfectly. So I just wanted to share that. That's awesome. That is so cool. I think Dave, Dave had a comment
0: or Bill, I'm sorry.
5: Yeah, the power of the Holy Spirit to work in us, the willing to do according to God's good purpose, Philippians 2.13. Philippians 2.12 says, therefore work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. A lot of us just simply, for whatever reason, stop at verse 12 and never really make it into verse 13 and wonder how do we do what God wants us to do. And the thing is, though, it's a promise. My position for myself and I still work at it is that we make ourselves available to the working of the Holy Spirit and if that happens John chapter 7 verses 37 to 39 has a promise that it's really quite precious and it, and it says anyone who believes in me may come and drink talk about the water of life for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart and when he said this, living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. And we know the day when the Holy Spirit was officially given and the transformation that happened to these 120 that were in that upper room. Amen. Thanks for sharing that.
0: All right. We have one more section and then we'll close up the book of Romans. So we're going to fly through this last section because we're running out of time. In chapter 14 and 15, we get into this. How can we get along with other Christians that we disagree with? Like on disputable matters, on non-essentials? How do we do it? You know, disunity has always been a major problem with God's people. You see it all throughout the Bible. Almost every local church mentioned in the New Testament, there were divisions to contend with. You know, some things haven't changed. So, you know, here, the disputable matters had to do with meat that was sacrificed to idols. Some people were uncomfortable eating that, where Jesus declared all food clean. And so Christians had to decide, how are we going to get along? I mean, the one is judging the other, the other is despising the the, the other. And it happens today. And then there there was the issue of days of worship. What what were special days? And some considered every day special. Others said, no, it's just, you know, the Sabbath or the Lord's day. So it got me thinking, what are some of the disputable matters today? And I'm not sure I got them all. I don't think I did, because I think it's probably a list that goes on forever. In this period of the pandemic, we've had the issue of masks and the issue of vaccines. And you have believers that are very strong convictions on one side or the other. And uh, these are all things that just want to tear us apart and cause disunity. There are some people that you know. There's public schools, private schools, homeschools, and again, you have people that are, like feel so strongly about like homeschooling or private schooling that as Christians, it's it's like, man, that's kind of that's kind of tough. I don't know if I agree with you on that. And how how do we agree to disagree with one another? Well, again, I think it goes back to that transformed life. If we're really living out that transformed life, it's not so much about myself anymore. It's not so much about my opinions. We can defer to each other. We can agree to disagree because of Jesus. So in Romans chapter 14, I think this is a key verse. Chapter 14, verse 13, therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So I think the key principle is here, do whatever it takes not to cause your brother or sister in Christ to stumble, put other people above yourself. And that can be hard to live out at times especially when we have these so much strong convictions. And then I think in v- chapter 15, again, we're not going to read the, read this passage, but I'm just going to pull out a verse here, chapter 15, verses one and two, because he talks about the weak and the strong, the weak in their faith and the strong person. And what what one thing I want to challenge you on is when you see that, <laughs> when we read that, we always put ourselves in the strong person's perspective, right? We're like, well, I'm the strong person, you know, but, Have you ever considered you might be the weak person? I love this chapter 15 verses one and two. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. So I think the key principle here is that we we must always choose unity over personal comfort to choose unity over personal comfort. And if we're not walking in the spirit, we may not do that. It's easy to complain about the music. The music's too loud. I don't like hymns. I don't like contemporary songs. You know, these are all preferences. These are all preferences, but we've got to lay aside. So, and I'm guessing, let's just pause here because we're running out of time. Comments or questions on this section.
6: In regards to especially the foods, I personally think that black olives and liver are of the devil, but, <laughs> but not everybody does. So, But you know what I find really interesting? You had mentioned about what you're doing with the metaverse, right, with meeting. And so if I'd never heard that from you, if people would talk about the metaverse, even though I don't understand it, I think like in my mind, I think of the word avatar and I think oh, that's not a good thing. We shouldn't get into that. It's, it's, it's living through these other things and I wouldn't see any good in it. But yet when you brought that story out, it had to make me rethink of what I just consider a bad thing. God is using with a brother to make it something for his glory. So I think it's so easy to get into those situations where, oh, that's bad. You can't listen to them, but you're listening to them because they're in the seven. So we draw those lines that I think can really divide us as opposed to allowing everybody to grow in the grace of, of a knowledge of Jesus Christ, right? And stick with the essentials and, and let God work out those details.
0: Good comment, thank you. Anybody else, we got a couple over
6: here. I
0: was uh, reading
6: Wiersbe and he said,
0: the big thing we need to be careful of is not to conform to the congregation, but conform to Christ because a lot of congregations are going south and just everybody wants to fit in. They don't wanna make waves. So like you're saying, being in the word, conform to Christ, and make sure that sometimes you may seem to stick out or you may not seem to fit in with what's going on, but you're getting in with Christ, not with the congregation. Amen.
7: Greg, I remember I heard Jim College uh, talk about this verse one time, and it always stuck with me. It's 1218, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And, you know, we try to do that. And there's two great prayers in 15 that I think we should look at in Mm. 15, five, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then this is prayer really struck me. I've been thinking about it all week in 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the holy spirit you may abound in hope i just think about that if you do that you pray that prayer you pray the other prayer you know you're you're submitting to the holy spirit like bill talked about and it, what strikes me is it's fill you with all joy and peace in believing because the more joy and more peace you have in christ recognizing like you said about the big first part of romans like ephesians being positional last part being practical, well, then if you got that joy and peace, you're going to love your brother. You're going to love God more. You're going to grow in grace. So that's a great prayer. We could pray for each other You could pray for yourself, but I think we should pray those two prayers for each other as men. Amen. Romans 15,
0: 13. That's my verse for this year. Every time I get discouraged by what I see on the news or what's happening in the world around me, I just go back to this verse, I'm meditating on it. I'm like a cow chewing the cud, man. I'm just like, this is, this is my verse.
8: That's why I, I hadn't got to it yet. You know, all of this comes boils down to a very simple concept and it's called the law of love. If you love your brothers and sisters, you will do the things that will not cause those offenses and stuff. But yeah, we disagree sometimes with things. You know, many times you're right. We put ourselves on the pedestal that we're better than the others. But in any one situation, sometimes we are not the better. We are the minor. And some of the things that we need to learn is when you work through the law of love, you will get it every day in situations. And each situation has to be presented. And as it was brought out, you got to let the Holy Spirit lead you in those situations. You know, every day we meet people along our path. Some you talk to, some you don't, some you agree with, some you don't. We always have the option that I can disagree with you but i don't have to hang with you you know so we need just to keep this that the whole message of romans really can be boiled down to love love your brother and treat them with love and whether it's meat whether it's black olives you know whether it's liver all of these things you know if it's going to cause offense to your brothers i heard the story once about a guy i think it was told here actually where they knew that they were having a Muslim family come over. And so they went out and they got rid of their old Muslim their dishes, brought in brand new dishes so that they could make sure that they were clean. And that brought that Muslim couple to Christ. Mm. These are little things that we can do if we're thinking about how much love we could pre- present to our brothers and sisters along the path.
0: That's great. Hold on to the mic because I'm going to ask you to pray in just a second. I want to cl- read this passage and I'm going you close this in prayer. Listen to how Paul ends this in chapter 16. I commit you to God who is able to make you strong and steady in the Lord. Just as the gospel says, and just as I have told you, this is God's plan of salvation for you Gentiles kept secret from the beginning of time. But now as the prophets foretold and as God commands, this message is being preached everywhere so that people all around the world will have faith in Christ and obey him. To God, who alone is wise, be glory forever through Jesus Christ, our Lord.
8: Amen. Pray us out, Joe. Heavenly Father, as we prepare to depart this day, this session, we just give you honor, glory, and praise. We thank you for the leading of the teacher this day and the teachings of the others as we learned about Romans and the walk of the, and the teaching of the book of Romans. Father, we'd ask that each person this week be blessed as they go along their journey, that everybody would have safe travels to and from as they go about their daily business. We also thank you, Father, that we have the Holy Spirit within us, that you will lead us each and every day and guide us as we go through this next week. And all that we do, Father, we give you all honor, glory, and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com.
0: Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace.
1: See you next time.